Well, can I just welcome you all to the High Kirk this morning for this precious time together. And especially for those who are watching online as well, we pray that the Lord will bless you. And just where you are, that you'll know the sweet presence of Christ just to fill your heart and home. Well, can I, first of all, just thank you all for your prayers. I know for Ian and the praise group and those who are in the church, it was all hands on deck. Uh, I, think, I think we've called it minister's flu. Um, it seemed to be that a lot of ministers were struck with this kind of flu. It wasn't COVID. Uh, we were all testing negative for COVID, but uh, it was just one of these things. So, but we do want to thank you so much for, for your prayers. Um, as you can tell, my voice is still a wee bit croaky, but I'm feeling well in myself and I'm not contagious, but I will keep a wee bit of a distance. Uh, but le- let me just share some of the intimations as well. Uh, as you'll know, we now have refreshments after the morning service, so you're welcome to join us next door there in St. Monarch's Isle. And so that'll be for some tea and fellowship immediately after this service. We also have our stewardship month, and this is October. And so throughout October, we raise funds towards Rain Edge International Kenya. And uh, just a wee note here, Rain Edge is a non-profit, community-based uh, sorry, non-profit community based in Nakuru, providing healing for the broken, hope for the future, and an education for Kenya's poorest children. Well, of course, we all know it as Sami's School, and we always support Sami's work there in Nakuru. And so if you can give, um, I know Sami will be blessed and the ministry out there. Um, so you can put it in an envelope. Uh, it should be separate from your general um, giving. And you can just put Sammy's school on the envelope or let Ruth, our treasurer, know that you want to give this specifically for Sammy's project. Also, on the 23rd of October, we have CAP UK coming to visit the church. Um, they've already been to the North Parish and Kilwinning Abbey, and they've been in many other denominations as well, sharing the work of Christians Against Poverty. So we're delighted to have them here on October the 23rd, and that will be led by Alan McLaren, who's the North Ayrshire representative. And so he'll have a team with them. So we look forward to that morning. Well, can I just once again just highlight the, the mailing list. If, you're, if you have an email address and you would like to pass it on to me, we can put you into our weekly mailing. Normally on a Friday, I send out the links for the online services. But also, we often uh, send out emails as well just for um, quick notes, updates, um, and Especially as well, if people have died and we're trying to make an announcement about a funeral, especially if it's come very suddenly, we also email out um, those who are on our mailing list. So if you want to be on that mailing list, please let me know. Just give me a, a copy and you'll, you'll be on it. Um, also, this will be helpful probably for those who are now going to be back on the Bible reading rota, the prayer rotas and all the other rotas, because we also send out the rotas. Um, through email as well. Although for those who don't, don't worry, we still hand out by paper copies and things like that. But if, it's, if you feel that that would be helpful to be on our mailing list, just please let us know. Well, the psalmist writes, O come, let us joyfully sing to the Lord, to the rock of salvation. Let us raise our voice. Let us come before him expressing our thanks. Let us with loud singing praise him and rejoice. The Lord is the great God, King over all gods. And so let's worship together in our opening hymn, O Church Arise.
Let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. Lord, in the Psalms we read that you were favourable to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You covered all their sins. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Oh, our loving Heavenly Father, how we glory in your grace. And we now lift up our hearts to you and delight in your presence. Yes, we boast in you. We praise your name because you have shown us such favour, your undeserved kindness in Jesus Christ. Instead of giving what we deserved, our beloved Saviour took upon himself your just wrath so that it could be withdrawn from us. And so by his work alone and for his glory alone, you have forgiven us all our sins and have covered us with the righteousness of Christ. Lord, what a gospel, what love, what mercy. And yes, Lord, we acknowledge we are sinful, weak and frail, yet your grace and mercy abounds. And so we come with thanksgiving. We thank you for the security, the peace and the hope your forgiveness and righteousness brings us, even on our worst days. And Lord, it is the finished work of Christ, not ours, that makes us right with you. It is the approval of Christ, not others, that satisfies our hearts here this morning. And so, Lord, for our sakes, you made Jesus, your beloved Son, the spotless Lamb of God, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What freedom! What peace, what joy. And so, Lord, may our hearts now be filled to overflowing with thanksgiving. Clothe us with garments of praise and joy. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us, Lord, to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk worthy of your calling. And so, Lord, as we offer these our prayers, we also unite our hearts around the Lord's Prayer, praying together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, we now take our Bible reading from Paul's letter, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 16. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, 
because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Amen. May the Lord bless us the reading of his precious word. Well, I would like us to return to Ephesians chapter 5 there as, as we share this morning on our series Growing in Grace. We now, we've reached part 6. And as we come to Ephesians chapter 5, I want you to notice that Paul's background here as he, as he writes this letter, when you read Acts chapter 19, you'll find that Paul planted the church there at Ephesus. And he spent two years there where many came to know Christ. They came to experience the gospel and the power of the gospel. Well, Ephesus itself was a very large city. It was the heart and center of the worship of the Greek and Roman gods. And so it, it was a central city. And there in the midst, can you imagine this pagan city, huge city, and there at the heart is Paul, sharing the gospel, sharing good news. And the power of the Holy Spirit is at work, and daily lives are coming to know Christ, where eventually we see a church growing in that city. But I want to take you now, years later, Paul is in a Roman prison. And he's thinking about that church. He's thinking about those lives that were touched and transformed by the gospel. Not just the Jewish believers at the beginning, but now the church is filled with Gentiles. And now Paul, his heart is full, and he now wants to encourage this church. As they grow together, Jewish believers and Gentiles. And he reminds them, you are one. And this is a theme that's going to go right through Ephesians. is you're one people. Don't see yourselves as different. Don't fall out with one another. For this was God's divine plan. That Jew and Gentile would come together one day under Christ. That Jesus would draw us all together. That we would become the family of God. A restored people. And so in Ephesians, Paul opens up the first three chapters. I want you to notice is where Paul explains, reminds them of the gospel. He reminds them of how the gospel set them free. And what good news they had received. And then in chapters 4 to 6, we have how to live out the gospel. If you really have known the gospel, if the gospel has touched your life, then it should be evident in how you live it out. And that's why at the beginning of chapter 4, there's a therefore. So chapters 1 to 3, 
Paul unfolds, he unveils the gospel of Christ. And then he says, therefore. And then from chapter 4, we see Paul sharing how to walk, how to grow in grace. This is where we get our theme this morning. How to grow in grace. And for Paul this morning, he said, you grow in grace by walking. Walking in the gospel, walking in the truth. As Paul opens up the gospel to us, revealing God's plan, how it was to bring all things together in Christ, not just Jews and Gentiles, not just people. The Lord wasn't just, his, his great plan wasn't just to bring people together, to restore a people, but Paul goes on to say that God's plan was actually also to restore creation. From the very beginning, after when Adam and Eve had sinned and fell and they lost that paradise, that place where God made his dwelling, where Adam and Eve walked with the Lord in the heat of the day, they knew such joy, such perfection, no sin, no tears of abandonment, no tears of lovelessness, no heartaches, no brokenness. This was a perfect world living in the presence of God and where God made his dwelling with them. Paul reminds us that the gospel, yes, God is going to restore his people. The fall is not the end. The devil has not had his day. He may have tricked Adam and Eve into falling in sin and therefore the whole world would then fall in sin too. But God says, oh no, I've got a plan. And my plan is to restore everything, to bring everything together. That people will come into Christ. That they will find life again. They'll know paradise again. They'll know joy again. They're going to know my kingdom. They will know what it is to be God's family. But more than that, I'm going to restore creation. There's going to be a new heavens, a new earth. What you're seeing now, if you think that this nation of Scotland and the islands and Arran and all the places that we visit, if you think that's be it's beautiful, wait till you see what it's going to be like when it's fully restored. God is going to restore creation. He's going to create a new heavens, a new earth, where we will be with the Lord forever and ever. And so Paul actually tells us that creation groans for that day when we hear of earthquakes and all the things that go on in our world, deep down there's a groaning in creation. It's longing for its new body. Even creation itself hates being polluted. This world, we were meant to steward it well. But oh, what pollution has come upon our, our, our creation. And so Paul tells us that creation even groans. It can't wait till the Lord would cause heaven to be new again. And so this is the gospel. This is God's plan that everything would come together in Christ. That we would be drawn to him. That we would be one to Christ. But also that creation, everything in heaven and earth will come together. And we'll see Christ one day, our king ruling and reigning. And so Paul can't help but burst into song, or I don't know if it's maybe even a poem, but Paul just praises the Lord. Oh, how blessed we are. We're chosen, we're forgiven, we're adopted, we're accepted in the beloved. We're restored, we're united, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Paul just praises God. And he gives thanks for the gospel. In chapter 1, you'll notice that this praise that he ushers out is for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, for what God has done in Christ. And then he goes off into prayer. And he, as he thanks God for the gospel of Christ, he then prays, Lord, and may your people experience the power of the gospel. Yes, Lord, I want to praise you for the gospel, but Lord, oh, that we would experience the power of the gospel. And so that's Paul as he opens his letters. 
And then in chapter 2 and then into chapter 3, Paul's going to expand on some of the themes here in chapter 1, on God's grace, on, his, on God's love. And then once again in chapter 3, Paul's going to pray, oh, to know the wisdom of God, oh, to experience. You know, Paul's prayers, actually through Ephesians, are filled with that we wouldn't just know about this, that we wouldn't just know about what Paul's teaching, but that we would experience the power of it through the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul says, is He's here, he's at work in you. Oh, may you experience more of that power. And so Paul encourages us now in this section that we're going to look at, he encourages us to respond to the gospel. How do we respond? We grow in grace. And so we're to grow in grace. For Paul, to grow in grace means taking off lies and put on truth. He tells us, take off anger and put on peace. Take off stealing and put on generosity. Take off gossip and revenge and put on encouragement and forgiveness. You're to wear the garments of praise. Not these filthy garments. He tells us to take off gossip and revenge and promiscuity and drunkenness and put on self-control and be clothed in God's spirit. That's what it is for Paul to grow in grace. It's, it's to put on Christ himself. Put off the old man and his sinful ways. The old life Put it off and put on the, the life of Christ. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you. And as you grow in grace, Paul takes that theme and he goes a wee bit deeper. <coughs> so again, can we ask the question, what is growing in grace? Paul, I get it, we're to put off the old sinful habits and our natures, things that we were tempted to before. Yes, I can understand that. To put on Christ, okay, I can get a glimpse of it. But Paul, how do I actually do it though? It's all right telling me put off this and put on this. Paul, you're, you're describing clothes. How do you put on these clothes? It makes no sense. Paul, can you explain a wee bit further? Can you give us something practical to hold on to? And you know, that's what's lovely about Paul when he writes. Because Paul does that. He's aware that he's got people like Scott in the congregation. <laughs> he knows that there are people like me who need the hand up. Oh, Paul, can you explain that again? Can you make it more simple for me? And so here Paul describes what it is to grow in grace in one word. Walk. He said, just walk. If you want to really grow in grace, then you're to walk. Don't stand still. Don't sit moping about your sins and your old lives. Don't mope about, oh, Scott, I know what it is to, to wear gossip and stealing and promiscuity and drunkenness. Scott, I've lied. I've sinned in my life. To grow in grace is not sitting, talking about your sins. Growing in grace is not even sitting, considering all your sins. For Paul, he said, if you want to walk, if you want to grow in grace, you're to walk, move forward, take a step each day, live for Christ. If you feel that you've blundered today, then make sure as you leave here, Paul would say, you, that you take a step forward to Christ. Walk with him. And so Paul now in chapter 5 is going to open up this wonderful teaching on how to walk. And he first of all, notice, he tells us, walk in love. Love is the evidence 
actually of genuine faith. In John's Gospel, John tells us that when you walk in love, that's evidence that you're a disciple. For the disciples of Christ are known because they love one another. That's how you will know that we are disciples, because we love one another. When John wrote his letter in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, John even describes how walking in love is evidence that you have gone from death to life. You have passed from death to life because we love one another. Isn't that interesting? How do you know that someone's come to know the Lord? Because they love one another. How do you know someone's growing in grace? Because they love one another. We walk in love. We don't walk in judgment and in criticism and in condemnation. We walk in love. That's those who are growing in grace. Even Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. And so even for Peter, the evidence of the Holy Spirit being in you is seen by a heart that walks in love. Love, the love of Christ. Now, this is not talking about your love. It's talking about the love of Christ flowing in you. When you have known the love of Jesus, oh, that's evident. Remember the woman there at the feet of Jesus when she wiped Jesus' feet with her tears? Jesus said in that room, he said, see how much she's been forgiven. See how much she loves. And it's the same with ourselves. When we walk in love, often the, 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 our journey, our walk in love, will often be dependent on how much we're experiencing of the love of Christ. If you're always scratching your head wondering, does Jesus really love me? Does God really love me? Will he really forgive me? Has, is there mercy really for me? If we're always moping about wondering and doubting his love, then guaranteed when we begin to walk in love, we're not going to show much love. We'll be filled with so much fear and insecurities. We'll be so nervous. But see, when our heart knows, Lord, you love me. You came for sinners. You came for those who aren't good enough. And Lord, I'm not good enough to be saved. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. I'm not good enough for heaven. And when the Lord tells me, Scott, that's why I came. Because I'm good enough. You're not good enough. And when we, and when we come to experience the love of Christ like that, when we don't deserve it, we will then show more of that love to others. We'll be more merciful which we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks as we close our series as well on the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful. Oh, the Christian ought to walk in love. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you really love me? Have you experienced the love of Christ? When you have... You can feed lambs. You can feed sheep. You can be a blessing to others. The love of Christ changes a heart. And you know when the love of Christ changes your own heart. Because you'll have a greater concern for others. You'll have greater kindness in speaking and acting towards others. You'll have a deeper compassion to those in trouble. And so, when we walk in love, the world will see the life of Christ and the love of Jesus. When you 
sit with your families, your loved ones, your neighbours, your friends. When they see the love of Christ in you, they'll know it's possible that God could forgive me. When they see the loveliness of Christ in your life reflected. And I'm sure many could have said of me after I was saved, well, Scott, if the Lord can save you, he can save me then. (laughs) I know what you were like. That means, oh, the Lord must love me too then if he loved you and was willing to save you. So Paul encourages us. Yes, grow in grace. Walk. That's how you grow in grace. You walk in love. And then in verse 8, notice, Paul then goes on and he said to grow in grace. Yes, it's to walk in love. It's also to walk as a child of light. And this command here to walk as children of light takes us from verse 3 to verse 14. Right through the Bible, when we see the contrast of light and darkness, light often speaks of the things of God and righteousness. Darkness often speaks of the things of Satan and things that are evil are often regarded as darkness. In Romans 13, Paul tells us to put aside deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. But notice now as Paul writes here in chapter 5, he now explains what, what is darkness, fornication, uncleanness, covetousness, filthiness, foolish talking, jesting, there in verse 4, whoremongers, unclean persons, covetous, per, uh, covetous person, idolaters, there in verse 5. But then Paul, in contrast, highlights now what, what it is to be in light. Light can be goodness, righteousness, truth. What is acceptable unto the Lord? In verse 11, rejecting and reproving the works of darkness. So there Paul describes what it is to live in the light, to walk in the light. We're to walk in goodness, righteousness, truth. We're to live acceptably to Christ. What would be acceptable to the Lord? How am I to live? And then verse 14, Paul brings us to why. Why are we to walk in the light? Because Christ is the source of light itself. Jesus is light. He is love, but he is also light. And when we receive Christ, his light fills our hearts. And so we walk in the source of that light, the light of Christ. So yes, grow in grace. Walk in love. Walk in the light. And then I'll close with this. And there in verse 15, Paul now also tells us to walk circumspectly. What does that mean? It means look around while you walk. Keep your eyes wide open. Walk with your eyes open and alert to what is going on. We're told that the person who walks circumspectly, he has his eyes open to the needs of others. He has his eyes open to the will of God. Lord, what's your will? What's your purpose? What's your desire for me today? Lord, I want to have my eyes open to your your plan, not mine. Not my will be done, Lord, but your will be done. And so to walk circumspectly is to walk, yes, with our eyes open to God's plan, God's purpose, God's will. 
that we would be that we would have our eyes open to the needs of others, that we would be watching out for others, caring for others. Lord, when I walk, when I look upon this world, give me your eyes. What do you see, Lord, when I walk the streets, when I sit with my family? Lord, what are you seeing? The temptation is that we respond out of what we see. We, we have this instant, we see a scene and we instantly react to it. We flare up. But to walk circumspectly is to be open, to have our eyes opened. Lord, what are you, what, what are you seeing right now? Why is this person acting in this way? Why are they doing this? We're to have our eyes opened to the signs of the times. Or as Paul would say, we're to arise, sleepers. We're not to be, we're not to have our eyes closed and fast asleep. We're to have our eyes opened. Know the signs of the times. We're to be like the men of Ishikar. In the Old Testament, we're told that the men of Ishikar, they knew the signs of the times. They could understand the things of God in their day. They had a sensitive heart towards the things of God. And here Paul tells us, be like them, that you would be sensitive to the will and purpose of God. Oh, be obedient. Don't be asleep. Wake up. For Paul says that we have to seize the opportunities that we have. For time is short and the days are evil. When we look out on a world today, we see so much wickedness. We see wars and rumours of wars. We see terror. We see fear. We see injustice. We see the rich getting richer and making themselves richer and the poor getting poorer and getting trod upon. We see that in our day. We see the world at war and we see the world in a mess. But the Lord asks us, oh, keep your eyes open. Seize every opportunity for the gospel. Don't react out of anger and hatred. When you see things going on in the news, when you read your newspaper or watch the BBC News or whatever, don't react in the flesh. Ask the Lord, walk circumspectly. Lord, what are you seeing in this world today? How can I pray? How can I bring good? How can I walk in love, in light? And how can I walk with my eyes open in this circumstance? And so Paul says, yes, the time is short and the days are evil. Take every opportunity for the gospel. Oh, share the love of Christ. How Jesus has forgiven you. How he's shown you such mercy, grace, love, joy, peace. Share that with others. That they would come to experience the power of the gospel. The power of grace. The power of the Holy Spirit. And so, Paul would ask us this morning. So how's your walk? How's your walk this morning? Do you feel that you're walking in love, in light? Do you feel that you're walking circumspectly? Do you feel this morning that you're growing in grace? Well, my heart here is not to point the finger and to say, oh, you've all messed up. You failed again. No, because I would be pointing the finger at myself if that was the case but you know when God opens his word to us he encourages us walk would you walk this morning you may not feel that your your walk is going that great maybe you feel that you've been tripping and you've been stumbling but yet your heart cries out Lord I do want to walk with you I want to grow in grace. I, I, I so want to walk in the love of Jesus. I want to walk in his light. And Lord, I want to walk with my eyes wide open that I would be sensitive to you. And so today the Lord invites you. Then walk. Walk towards me. Come with me. 
and you will know your heart restored, refreshed, forgiven. You'll know joy again. Oh, today, would you walk with the Lord? Well, let's go to him in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you for this time together. Lord, it is our desire to to grow in grace. Lord, we want to grow in the love and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to know the power of the Holy Spirit affecting our lives, changing us, transforming us from one degree of glory to another. And so, Lord, would you fill us this morning? Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your light. And Lord, open the eyes of our hearts. And Lord, as you fill us this morning, give us a a heart and a care for others. And so, Lord, you've taught us to make prayers for all people. And so may we do so this morning under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit and grant us a tender and compassionate heart that we would be able to pray sincerely and effectively. And so we come this day to pray for your church. Oh, may she continually grow in grace, increase in godliness, and be empowered with spiritual life and passion. We specially plead your mercy for your persecuted church here at home and throughout the world. We also bring a struggling world to your throne of grace, a world at war, as we pray for Ukraine, Russia, Afghanistan, China, Taiwan, North Korea, Lord, there are so many places we could mention this morning. Iraq, Iran, Nigeria, many of the African nations who are knowing dark, such dark days. Lord, daily we hear about wars and rumours of wars. And so we lift up all the nations of the world to you. Remembering those who cannot plead for themselves. Lord, grant seasons of refreshing and renewal. Oh, that we would know hope in the midst of despair and darkness. Lord, we pray for our new king and his family. We pray for our leaders, locally, nationally and globally. Lord, those with influence and who seem to hold power, oh, turn their hearts and, Lord, direct their steps. Lord, we bring our communities, those who feel broken, lonely, frail and vulnerable. We think of those who rely on food banks and community support hubs. Lord, we pray for those who have been afflicted through loss or grief through pain or sorrow, struggling with ill health and mental anguish. Lord, those who are struggling, even at this moment with the uncertainty of unemployment, or those who are disappointed, discouraged, or those who know what it is to be depressed, Lord, we also bring to your throne of grace those who are very dear to us. And so in the quietness of these moments, Lord, we lift our families, friends and neighbours. We lift our cities, our towns and villages from the highlands and islands to the lowlands. Lord, we ask that you would bring healing streams of mercy, love and joy. And so, Lord, as we bring our dear ones, 
we quietly just bring them to you. And so, Lord, with thanksgiving, we now present our tithes and offerings, and may Christ, our Prince of Peace, and soon coming King, be exalted, magnified, and glorified in this place. And in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, let's sing in our closing hymn, Love divine, all love's excelling, Joy of heaven to earth come down. So may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Father and the fellowship, comfort and power of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore.